the silver. Here on a balmy fall afternoon in 1989, Tanya Harding is our gold medal winner. For just about four years, Phil, Tanya, we've been looking at Tanya as a flower that hadn't quite blossomed. And finally, here at Skate America, she blossomed, and her great athletic ability came under control. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah! Quick, quick, quick. Oh, if he plop, he's going to aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Ah! <laughs> Their defense is atrocious. Atrocious. I'm the rock star. People, Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love you know, playing there. It comes a dunk. Shut up and listen. You, you think you're better than me? Bye. All right, welcome back to the Rewindables. Uh, this is Chris and Ben. We are talking, as always, four months in now. The cutting edge. What could we be talking about, Chris? Are we? Maybe it's is it basketball season? Could we? Or is there any basketball news we could discuss? You know, we were gonna talk NBA draft. Uh, we were gonna talk NBA finals. Yeah, wait. What about kind of? Oh fuck! Wait, what day is it? It's uh, what month is it? Have, did the finals happen? The finals. Yeah, congratulations oh, to the Denver Nuggets, of course. Oh, that's cool. The Nuggets won. After 47 years, the Denver Nuggets can finally call themselves NBA champions. Victor Wembanyama is now uh, in the NBA. With the first pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Victor Wembanyama. So, um, shout out to him and his family. And other than that, we are, you know, NBA free agency is due to kick off any 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 moment now, but um we are continuing to talk here about the 1992 critically acclaimed hit The Cutting Edge, Paul Michael Glazer's sports romantic comedy. So, <laughs> Ben, I know you have something special planned for us tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a this special is a little new for us. I'm sort of un- unscripted here. I don't have any sort of outline. This is this is very much your baby tonight. Yeah. So, tell us what we're in for. Well, we're going back to the, you know, the, the Swish FM Classico style. Just uh, just Ben and Chris. Um, you know, Cousin Christian has not been fired. Um, he has not been let go. Uh, unfortunately, he he couldn't make it tonight due to a uh, scheduling conflict. Far play. Far play. We love you, Cousin. We love you, Cousin. Cousin will be back. Rest assured, no one freak out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we sort of had to change things up a little bit on the fly, and we're, we're doing something that we have teased uh, quite a bit in previous episodes that I, I also... Say, so this is a bit of a mystery, but I will say for our, our audience, people that have been with us for a while know how meticulously Ben and I prepare. That's right. This is a... This is a this episode is a baby of Ben's and I know for a fact 
just vis-a-vis text message how stressed out this episode has you been, right. girl. Yeah. I know for a fact that you have delayed, because I've been, as the producer of this podcast, been like, all right, we really should do this, yeah. I mean, you know, music episode. Ever the taskmaster, you, you know, Chris tries to keep the trains running on time. He tries to... You mentioned this really quickly. Like, you were like, I have something that's I really want to talk about it's going to be a full episode and I was like great perfect you know we'll save it once we complete the movie that'll that'll be perfect Mm -hmm. and you have delayed and delayed (laughs) and delayed and folks he just keeps researching he keeps going deeper and deeper well no so peek behind the curtain here this is this is actually a very very fascinating I'm sure for our listeners to to hear about um this was something that the, sort of a little side quest that I had started, you know, months ago. Um, was feeling pretty good about, but it was basically, you know, a homework assignment that I gave myself that I completed sixty, maybe seventy percent. Um, but then I was like, well, I need I need more time to like to really like you know cross my eyes and dot my t's, and I just didn't quite have the the the. I don't know the motivation to, to like cross the finish line, but I was like, it's okay, it's okay, I have time. I'm sure, like I could always pull an all-nighter, you know, the night before the test. Uh, but then, due to the scheduling conflict uh, aforementioned, uh, we realized, like, suddenly Chris was like, tonight's the night. Um, teacher said, put down your pencils and hand in your work. So what we're about to share, I gotta say, is not fully baked. Um, I don't exactly know, so I'm I'm basically just gonna be relaying <laughs> some notes that I took months ago and honestly have not really had time to either review or complete but i think we have enough um uh to 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 share here i think we can you know pad this thing out into a into an episode or two uh since as we know the the content minds do not close um so yeah we uh we can get into it um with all that what are we talking about business out of the way uh we're gonna be discussing tanya harding tonight chris um it's time wow it's finally come um fascinating figure yeah a very fascinating figure uh if you've been listening closely for the past 15 to 16 to 18 episodes of this podcast uh of uh you know our, our cutting edge deep dive um you may remember hearing me, you know, drop that name a couple of times. I remember very early on, like I think in the very first episode of The Cutting Edge, Chris, you included a very lengthy um, excerpt, an archival excerpt of the uh, of the 1994 shoelace. Olympics with the shoelace, uh, skate yeah. lace mishap. Um, but there was like a little bit of confusion early on uh, with the timeline and the chronology and the facts and dates and everything. Uh, I think at one point, Christian, uh, I'm going to call you out right now and say that he um, mistakenly said that the uh, that the uh, attack on Nancy Kerrigan happened in 1992 before the uh, the Albertville Olympics in 92. That was uh, incorrect. Uh, it was in 1994. Um, so that was actually really that that error right there. And, and, you know, my my journalist brain kicking in in that moment and saying, oh, we'll need to run a correction for that. Is honestly what I attribute to this entire um, episode <laughs> because back then, four or five months ago, whenever it was, I was like, "Well, I'll need to at some point say, you know, a, qu- a quick little correction, run a quick correction right. to say, oh, it was actually the state." And then I was like, 
oh, well, while I'm here confirming dates, maybe I'll just do a little bit more research. Then it turned into a much bigger project. So I'll just say this is not going to be, it's been a lot of Tanya Harding material that's come out over the years. I feel like especially the past like five or so years, you know, you, we, you could think of the, or, you know, you could uh, bring up the, you know, the I, Tanya uh, movie starring Margot Robbie. The haters always say, Tanya, tell the truth. There's no such thing as truth. Everyone has their own truth. You know, there's been a lot of like kind of uh, popular sort of re-examination of her story. Um, she's been in plenty of like documentaries. There was a 30 for 30 about her uh, and Nancy Kerrigan a couple years back. They're doing a thorough investigation to try and find the man who did it. NBC's now breaking the story that Tanya Harding... Authorities are focusing their attention on Tanya Harding. Plot designed to steal Olympic gold. I mean, the rumors were just flying immediately. Wouldn't it be wild if Tanya had something to do with this? There had never been in the history of sports anything like this. Why? Why? And I feel like, you know, there's been sort of a, a reappraisal and a, and a reexamination of, of not just the events of her career, um, but also the media's reaction to those events, you know, at the time. And just kind of uh, looking at all that with uh, ho- hopefully you know, clearer eyes and hindsight and um, sort of, you know, uh, just uh, cultural knowledge and sense and, and sort of, you know, reassessing re, uh, kind of how all that went down um, and what happened with Tanya afterward. I'm not going to really be talking about any of that, frankly, because uh, that's been done. Uh, I, I think anyone who's at all interested in Tanya Harding has probably watched those documentaries and seen those movies. Um and read those articles, which is great. I think it's all very fascinating, and I'm glad, uh, for the record, that that there has been that kind of you know popular mm-hmm. uh, movement to to sort of um, reexamine. Yeah, reexamine, and maybe not fully. Um, you know, what's the word? Um, kind of like rejuvenate or or resuscitate her image uh, or repair her image. I think there's been a little of that. I also think it's complicated, as with any you know actual human being. There's uh, nuance and. You know, it's very hard to say, like, oh, she was actually the good guy and did nothing wrong. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's complicated, and but I'm not going to talk about all that because other people have done that probably far better than I could. Instead, what I want to focus on is something that relates specifically to our little project, 1992's The Cutting Edge, and particularly the theme uh, in that film of sort of the the culture clash you know this outsider bad boy radical dude doug dorsey coming into this very stuffy buttoned up formal uh world of uh amateur figure skating and uh specifically the element of music uh, and we all know the scene, one of our favorites, the the 3 a.m. music fight between Doug and Kate, um, you know. In, Who in comes cre- downstairs? <laughs> Poor Hale Forrest did, uh, did, not, did not like that very much. Uh, he had a comes meeting at 6 a.m. in his bathrobe, a, yep. Uh, extremely important business meeting that he had to get his rest for, uh, and uh, them... Uh, you know, cranking up the volume dial uh, back and forth as uh, 
Doug was trying to play his um, his stock library heavy metal rock and roll music uh, versus Kate's uh, Beethoven. It's after midnight. I have a 6.30 appointment. We were just wrapping up. Play him the Mozart. You'll be asleep in no time. You know, we, 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 we've all uh, watched that scene dozens of times at this point. We know it. We love it. Um, but uh, and then, of course, you know, we 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 sort of saw the um, the aftermath of that scene, which is the, the music that Doug and Kate actually skate to, which is, of course, the race by the band Yellow, uh, <laughs> which we also know and love. Um, and so anyway, my point is that the the theme of. Uh, music, uh, or, or sort of using music as a as a vehicle to explore the theme of, you know, the the sort of morals and and uh, formal customs of of figure skating and sort of what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, also, uh, you know, tying in the theme of of the judges and the fucking weirdness of the fact that this, yeah. uh, you know, athletic competition is not judged by, um, you know, who bests their competitor, but by a bunch of random judges who just decide whether or not they like something more than something else, um, pretty, pretty subjectively. Um, and, yeah, and the judges also, if we're being real, like, uh, award people based on their willingness to conform. Yes. Their willingness to conform, their look, their style, uh, which of course, basically, like, how conservative you can be, like yeah. how how not stuffy, but like how how much how willing are you to stay within the box? Yes, yes, and of course, as much as they might try to deny it, all sorts of you know, sort of messy uh, off off the ice kind of personal um, you know aspects kind of bleed into that and, and color their opinions and. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, totally arbitrary uh, kind of, you know, uh, guidelines and strictures for, oh, what you're supposed to, what sort of uh, person you're supposed to represent, you know, you're supposed to represent and uh, all this, all this bullshit um, that is very, very uh, like ass backwards and, and conservative and retrograde and um, still goes on to this day, but especially, you know, back in the eighties and nineties was, uh, you know, when this film was made and when Tanya Harding's, uh, career was, you know, at its pinnacle, um, still very much, you know, ruled the, ruled the sport, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, anyway, so with all that being said, I wanted to do a little chronological deep dive into the career of Tanya Harding, but basically to focus on her career up until the year 1994. Um, you know, maybe we'll get into a little of that uh, once we get there, because uh, there are a couple, like, sort of uh, forgotten uh, historical things that I find interesting that, that you know, aren't, as brought up, aren't brought up as often. Um, but really the, the focus of this episode, Chris, is the fact that Tanya Harding was really fucking good at skating and was yeah. also... An absolute rebellious badass um, who did things on the ice that no one ever had ever done before. Um, and she did those things to music that no one had ever played before on 
a figure skating rink. I don't want to jump the shark, but yeah. are you are you moving us towards the idea that there is a parallel between Doug Dorsey and Tanya and yes. Nancy and Kate Mosley? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I if mean, it's... maybe not Kate. Maybe not so much Kate and Nancy Kerrigan, but the idea that yeah, Doug, Doug and Tanya, Doug is definitely the Tanya of the movie. Low class, Midwest, you know, middle of the country. Trailer trash, yeah. Trailer trash, Hicks, and they are dropped into a world of high society snobbery. Yes, yeah. Um, Of course, the parallels are are not nearly that that clean. Um, Just as in real life, the the parallels that the media created or or the sort of uh, contrast that the media created between Tanya and Nancy we're mostly bullshit. Like Nancy was also working class and, uh, you know, had, a, had a lot of like similar experiences, uh, as Tanya, but, you know, by the time she was, you know, Olympic an Olympic star and in, you know, the early nineties, uh, you know, the media needs their storyline and needs their, uh, you know, their, their foils and stuff, uh, for all the, all the human personal drama that they, that they need to concoct for, you know, selling advertisements on NBC. In her quest for a gold, world-class skater Nancy Kerrigan always eats plenty of Campbell's chicken noodle soup. You see, a meal with chicken noodle replenishes nutrients and helps give her the energy to keep going. In fact, it helps give her so much energy, she's thinking of pursuing some other sports, too. It is, you know, it's definitely a lot more complicated than than just the oh, Tanya was like the bad girl, yep. trailer trash, and Nancy was the um, you know high society Stop. prissy one. Um, but yeah. that's of course like kind of the images that they that they um, you know them like I think kind of portrayed themselves, but mostly the media really fabricated and, and yeah, they were prescribed these identities, and I'm sure at a certain point they just sort of fall into the archetypes that they've been given. Yeah, the roles exactly. That been given. She has a taste for Marlboro cigarettes in high-performance carburetors. I like this. That was two years ago. Tanya was putting on a good face after coming so close to winning an Olympic medal. But the bronze went to Nancy Kerrigan. If, if we had to draw like a simple one-to-one ratio, it would be, you know, Doug is Tanya. And if not Kate, then at least like Kate, like, yeah, Kate and, and the, the world that she inhabits are, you know, Nancy. So let's get into the life of Tanya Harding. And some of the details I'll, I'll try to breeze through pretty quickly so that we can focus on her performances and the musical accompaniment of those performances. But uh, but there are a few, you know, little details that I think it's really worth uh, laying out for the record, just in case uh, any of our listeners aren't, uh, you know, intimately familiar with her life and her history. So let's get started. So Tanya Harding is born in 1970, November 12th, in Portland, Oregon. She started skating when she's three years old. She is raised primarily by her mother, Lavona. Uh, I think it's pronounced Lavona. Could be Lavana. I'll also remind everyone now that these notes are not <laughs> fully complete. So if I do make any... Uh, you know, historical or factual errors. Um, don't worry, there will be another there'll episode. Be a, running yeah, there'll corrections. be a follow-up. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. We will follow it up. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, so her mother uh, is an alcoholic waitress. And she, uh, by uh, Tani's account, she is, and, you know, m- uh, several other corroborating accounts, she is physically, emotionally, and psychologically abusive to Tanya as a young girl. How would you describe your mom as a mother? Not a good one. 
I, I know she probably did the best that she probably could. If there's no, you can't do it type thing, she won't do it. She'd be nothing. Her tough parenting captured in this 1986 documentary. For years, Harding has accused her mother of abuse. She's a good mother, but she's not a good mother. She hits me and she beats me. And tonight we're hearing from Harding's estranged mother, Lavana, a former waitress. I was working right around the clock, morning, noon and night, trying to get the money for her to skate and to have lessons. Tanya's mother insists she was no child abuser. I didn't abuse any of my children. Spanked, yes. Spanked, absolutely, positively. You've got to show them right from wrong. But that's not how Tanya remembers it. When I was young, I remember she drugged me into the bathroom and beat me with a hairbrush, literally. What had you done that made your mom go off on you with a hairbrush? Oh, I wasn't landing my jumps perfect. And if I, that was it, that's it. One time I spanked her once with a hairbrush at a competition. Stop that. Harding says actress Allison Janney's portrayal of her mother is spot on. Tanya's dad, Al, uh, works various low-skilled jobs. He's often unemployed. Um, he was Lavona's fifth husband, if I'm not mistaken. Her parents moved home 15 times. Uh, between trailers without running water and low-rent apartments. Um, I'm reading, by the way, now from a Guardian article uh, entitled uh, Hounded by the Past from the year 2000. If anyone wants to look that one up. Before their marriage ended, that is, her parents' marriage ended in 1987 when Tanya is 16. Uh, Unsurprisingly, she chose to live with her father, but the following year he lost his job and the work trail took him to Idaho, So she was forced to live with drunken Lavona and her latest husband. Tanya's older brother sexually molested her. She, as we said, lived in trailer parks, dropped out of high school. Uh, She smoked cigarettes despite having asthma. Uh, She raced cars and went hunting as a child. All that fun uh, stuff that we associate with, you know, that sort of Mm -hmm. lifestyle. Um, In uh, So, yeah, as I mentioned, in 1986, her half-brother, a guy by the name of Chris Davison uh, molested her on several occasions uh, when she was, you know, like in her early teens. Apparently, or uh, actually, sorry, just looking at my notes here. Apparently, the first time that he molested her is when she was five, and he did it again later when she was nine. And then in 1986, uh, when she is 15 years old, Harding called the police after Davison had been sexually harassing her and terrorizing her. But basically, he was he, you know, he was drunk and he began like assaulting her um, while. Tanya, uh, who again was 15 years old at the time, Tanya was getting ready for a date. And so she, you know, calls the police on him. The police come to the home and, you know, kind of remove him from the uh, situation. I think he's arrested. Um, yeah, he, he was arrested and spent a short time in prison. And it just so happens that the that night of the uh, sexual assault, as I said, Tanya was getting ready for a date, which happened to be her very first date with a man named Jeff Galuli. Um so now Harding said that her parents were in denial about Davison's behavior and told her not to press criminal charges against him. So after spending a very short time in prison, he's released and walks free. Yeah, the next year, 1987, her parents divorce. Uh, the year after that, in 1988, the uh, aforementioned half-brother Davison is killed in an unsolved vehicular hit-and-run accident. In 1989... 
After climbing the ranks in the U.S. Figure Skating Championships between 1986 and 1989, Harding won the 1989 Skate America competition. Um, so now I'm going to get into her her skating career. Um, so before I do that, I'm just going to lay out a couple quick uh, kind of like definitions here because I'm going to be throwing mm-hmm. around a couple names, a few different names of, of competitions. And this isn't uh, at all exhaustive or comprehensive, but uh, these are the, 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 the main ones I'm going to be discussing. Uh, so Skate America is a big one. That is an international senior level figure skating competition held as part of the uh, ISU, the International Skating Union. Yeah, so Skate America is a, a it, it's basically a, it's an Olympic type event because it is international and it's senior level uh, amateur skating competition, part of what's called the ISU Grand Prix of figure skating uh, series, which is like a, basically a series of competitions that help kind of determine uh, levels and qualifications for um, the Olympics. I think it started in 1979 as a qualifying event for the 1980 Lake Placid Olympics, but from what I can tell, it no longer counts toward Olympic or world's qualifying, but it's still a very big deal because it's international and senior level, and um, and that event takes place in September or October uh, during the year. Then there's the NHK Trophy. The NHK Trophy is another international senior level figure skating competition part of the Grand Prix of figure skating that takes place in November. Uh, There's also the Prize of Moscow News, uh, a similarly international senior level skating competition. Um, So it's sort of like part of, it's like a, it's like there's a, almost like a regular season for figure skating. Um, And then all these things kind of help, help you qualify and, you know, amass points and stuff. Uh, So then there's the U.S. Figure Skating Championships, a.k.a. Nationals, which we, of course, know and uh, well from the movie The Cutting Edge. Um, That's a figure skating competition held annually to crown the national champions of the United States. So that one's, of course, not international. It's just, um, just U.S., but it's like, you know, the best of the best in America. Uh, and that event is used to determine the U.S. teams for both the World Championships and the Winter Olympics. And then, of course, there is the World Figure Skating Championships. Uh, that is considered the most prestigious of the ISU uh, Figure Skating Championships. With the exception of the Olympic title, a world title is considered to be the highest competitive achievement in figure skating. So let's go back uh, to 1989. Uh, actually, no, sorry. Let's go back to 1986. <laughs> uh, so in 1986, Tanya is 15, um, and she goes to nationals. Tanya Harding. Tanya is 15 years old. She goes to nationals in 1986, and she finishes sixth place sixth place pretty good right uh i mean you're like all right that's not bad uh nancy kerrigan uh places uh 11th in the same competition however kerrigan places 11th in junior competition so nationals has both senior level and junior level okay kerrigan competes junior level even though she's a full year and one month older than tanya uh christy yamaguchi who's a name that will come Mm -hmm. up multiple times, also skates in that competition. She places fourth, again, in junior. So, 
Wow. Quick note. In international competition, senior level skaters need to be over 15 and are required to do at least double axle and two different triples in their short programs. Juniors need to be over 13, under 19, and are required to do at least a double axle. Within the U.S., the terms junior and senior refer to test levels, not age, which means that even though uh, Nancy Kerrigan is older than Tanya, she literally can't do as good moves. The same moves. So that's yeah. why she competes in junior and Tiny competes in senior. Basically, like, if you can dunk, you play varsity. And yeah. if you can't dunk yet, you're on JV. Yeah, even if you're a junior and the kid Regardless on varsity is a freshman. Age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, also in 1986, we have the Skate America competition in which Tanya Harding competes and places second. Where she's a junior high school student and she begins this final competition in fifth place. That's right, Jim, and she's so exciting. She was first in the short program yesterday. Her free skating is really her strong point. Double axle, nice height, moved well across the ice. And a triple toe, she makes it look so easy, you almost don't think of them as triples when you watch. Tanya was in sixth last year's nationals, and she is dynamic, as is her music. It's the um, Arthur Fiedler's Festive Overture, and she is sure performing to it. So then we have 1987. Um, there are, I'm just going in order of when these events take place. We have uh, Nationals. Tanya places fifth this time, uh, one place above her uh, previous year's finish. Uh, Christy Yamaguchi competes and places second. Kerrigan places fourth, but again, both of them in junior while Tanya is competing in senior. Then, let's see, in 1987, she also uh, skates, Tanya also skates in the NHK trophy and wins bronze. A gorgeous death drop. Usually you only see the men do that move. It takes tremendous strength. mistaken is like her first medal in like a major uh competition um and she finishes just behind uh katarina vitt uh and midori ito Mm. who is another name to keep in your mind uh 1988 we have nationals the next skater representing the portland ice skating club please welcome tanya harding Tanya places fifth again. Uh, This time, Yamaguchi and Kerrigan are finally at senior level, competing directly against Tanya, and they place 10th and 12th, respectively. Uh, So, yeah, again, like, Tanya is, like, head and shoulders above these other skaters who are, you know, kind of lumped in the same sort of historical category. Let's see then. Oh, in November of 1988, there's the prize of Moscow news and Tanya wins gold, her first gold medal in senior level international skating competition. Okay. So then moving on, we have 1989 nationals, Tanya medals, 
placing third for the bronze. Christy Yamaguchi just barely edges her out for silver. Nancy Kerrigan places fifth. And then in 1989, later on, the Skate America competition, and Tanya Harding wins gold at Skate America. This is her first gold medal. 19-year-old Tanya Harding, now of Portland, Oregon. display she put on in the uh, short program Misha. that's exactly right Phil. this young lady represents raw athletic ability sometimes it's not as always controlled but she's got the ability and watch the spring on this opening triple lutz look at the height places fifth and Christy Yamaguchi skates uh, pairs in this competition and she wins silver as a pairs skater. We should also note the 1989 World Figure Skating Championships took place in March. At this point Tanya is not competing in Worlds yet even though she finished bronze in nationals I'm not entirely sure why she didn't compete in Worlds in 1989 Um, but that year a Japanese skater by the name of Midori Ito wins gold, uh, and in doing so, she becomes the first Japanese skater to win gold, and she also becomes the first woman to do a triple axel in a major ISU competition. Her next jump, a triple axel. She is the only woman in the world doing this now, and the only woman to ever have landed it in competition. So that is at the 1989 World Figure Skating Championships. Midori Ito makes history by becoming the very first woman to do a triple axel in a major ISU competition. So now you might be thinking, okay, like that sounds impressive because she was the first, but like triple axel, isn't that like a pretty like basic jump that everyone does in figure skating? So quick. Uh, some more quick uh, ex- explanation here. Uh, the six most common jumps in figure skating can be divided into two groups. There are toe jumps, which are the toe loop, the flip, and the lutz. And there are edge <laughs> jumps, which are the sow cow, the loop, and the axle. Sow cow. Yeah, yeah, we all know about the sow cow, don't we? Um, I want to give a shout out here to the writer and podcaster Sarah Marshall. Uh, host of the phenomenal podcast You Are Wrong About, and also the author of, for my money, the definitive essay on Tanya Harding, written in 2014 for The Believer. 
titled Remote Control. So thanks to her, I learned a lot of uh, skating terminology and uh, and uh, you know she explained uh, in her write, both her writing and in her podcast. And she's done a couple of podcasts, I think about yeah, I think that she did a two part podcast about Tanya Harding, which I highly recommend uh, uh, on her podcast. You're wrong about. Um, but she explained, um, that, so the axle is the hardest jump, uh, in figure skating because all the other jumps, the Lutz, the toe loop, the flip, etc., you come into backwards, you skate to get momentum, uh, you turn backwards, you take off backwards and you complete three revolutions and then land backwards. But when you do the axle, you take off facing forward and you do three and a half revolutions. So they call it a triple, but it's actually a triple and another half of a revolution. And then you land backwards. So you're coming in forward, but you land backwards because of the extra half a revolution. So Mm -hmm. you need that much more lift, time in the air, and leg power, specifically like muscle in your fucking lower body, which, Mm -hmm. you know, men Mm -hmm. simply have more of based on their biology than women do. Uh, so that's why men uh, are able to complete a triple axel, you know, more commonly, uh, more easily than women generally, um, because of the just the sheer amount of power you need to propel yourself up into the air to, to uh, you know, to lift, to get up uh, off that ice. Uh, and so a lot of other jumps, when you take off backward, you use your toe pick, toe pick. Toe pick to launch off from. But when you're taking off for a triple axel, you don't dig into the ice with the point of your skate. You take off from the flat of the skate blade. So it's literally like, imagine dunking a basketball, but uh-huh. without being able to jump off your toe. You have to jump oh, completely flat-footed. flat-footed. You're not using the, the toe pick. You're using the flat of the blade fully on, yeah. you know, entirely yes. on the ice. Uh, so it's literally the difference between jumping into the air from the ball of your foot or your toe, um, also with traction, you know, with the ground versus jumping right. flat-footed without any traction whatsoever because the blade is moving, yeah. of course, on the ice because there's no, you know, that's what a blade does on ice. Um, and, uh, yeah, just to confirm, Wikipedia uh, notes that it is the sport's oldest and most difficult jump and the only basic jump in competition with a forward takeoff. Uh, the triple axle has become a common technical element in the men's singles discipline, while it is still rare among female single skaters. As of 2021, 19 women, 19 in history, have successfully completed the triple axle in competition. The Wait, quad- really? Yeah, 19. That's it. In all of history. As of 2021. Oh, wow. I can't say I have double checked what the latest numbers are but uh the quadruple axle was successfully executed in competition for the first time in 2022 but has not yet been landed by a female skater uh compared to other basic figure skating jumps the axle requires an extra half revolution yes as we said okay so 1989 midori ito the first woman to ever land a triple axle in competition Please remember that bit of trivia as we proceed. Let's skip ahead to 1990. (laughs) Nationals. After winning the 1989 Skate America the previous October, Tanya is considered a strong contender at the February 1990 U.S. Figure Skating Championships, a.k.a. Nationals. However, she was experiencing the flu and asthma, literally played a flu game, and had a poor free skate 
After the original program, she's dropped from second place and finishes seventh overall. Yamaguchi finishes second to take silver, and Kerrigan places fourth. In March of 1990, March 18th, just after Nationals, uh, Tanya marries Jeff Galuli, her high school sweetheart. The ice rink became her home. She spent less and less time at school. At the age of 15, Tanya dropped out and fell in love with a boy named Jeff Galuli. He has given her unconditional love and support through all the ups and downs. He doesn't care whether she skates or whether she works. He wants her to be happy. But it was a relationship she always ended up having to defend. My husband's my best friend. He's the person I would trust for anyone. If anybody accomplishes what they've always wanted to accomplish in life, I don't think they'd want to be alone to do that. And I'm just glad that I'm not alone. Uh, She is 19. He is 22. They had been dating since that fateful night in 1986 and had been living together since 1988. Um, So they were dating since she was 15. Yes, correct. Um, she, he was basically like her first like real boyfriend. Everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, in 1990, she didn't really compete in many other com- major competitions in 1990. I'm not entirely sure whether uh, she was just kind of like taking a little break to folk to like you know get married and stuff. Uh, you know, be married. Uh, or if she just wasn't really skating that well. Um. At about the same time, Galuli was a bit more candid about the behind-the-scenes turmoil. She's definitely set in her ways, and we might get into a little, uh, little, little brawl now and then about what, what's, what's going to go on, and usually she wins. So she, I mean, I'll admit it to the world, she's, she's the boss of the family. <laughs> That's about as good as it ever got for Jeff and Tanya. Circumstantial evidence seems to be that he was very disruptive element and influence in her life and when he's been around and they've been together her life is much rockier from the outside than it is when they're those times when they're apart tanya and jeff used to come to this bowling alley outside of portland it was here tanya was seen shooting pool and smoking cigarettes there was a flurry of bad publicity about that but tanya didn't seem to care Sometimes it's sad because of the bad press and everything, but, you know, you always have to go with the flow. And and if people want to say things about me, then, you know, they have their own opinions and they can say what they would like. That was her attitude. I am Tanya Harding, a world-class skater. Darlene Ferguson was a friend to Tanya during the bad times. She was around when Jeff and Tanya were featured regularly in local police reports for domestic violence. Tanya continued to skate despite the distractions. She filed for divorce and was so terrified of Jeff, she got a restraining order. She was also afraid of Jeff's brother. They had threatened, um, I don't know whether I I should say they, because I was not there, but she had told us before that they had threatened to break her legs so she couldn't skate. Anyway, so the rest of 1990 is not that remarkable for her. But in 1991, mm-hmm. Tanya has her breakout year. So let's dive into the year 1991, one of the best years. It's February 16, 1991. Tanya is 20 years old. We are in Minneapolis, Minnesota for Nationals, the U.S. Figure Skating Championships. Tanya is in second place after the short program trailing Christy Yamaguchi. Um, And also, just as a reminder for anyone who hasn't listened to our previous 
15, 16 episodes. Uh, figure skating is made up of uh, two programs. There's the uh, short program and the long program, uh, also known as the free skate. It's wild. I, If I'm being honest, I, I wasn't sure if that was just a thing from the movie. Yeah, no, that is actually what it's yeah what it's called and how, how it works. Yeah, so you have your, your short program. Usually it's divided into you know two different nights. Uh, as we know, uh, Doug uh, lamenting about, um, you know, foreplay. 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 Uh, <laughs> God, I cannot stop getting cousin. my cousin Christian's <laughs> head ringing out of my you, cousin. If you made it this far into the episode, we, we are missing you tonight. Yeah. Come back. Come back, cousin. We need you. Uh, we just need, like, a sound drop at, at this point, a soundboard, so we can uh, push a button and oh. hear that. Yep. Foreplay. Foreplay. Anytime we need to. Um, yeah, no, anyway. it's... I have foreplay queued up in. I, it's foreplay. in like I have a folder of clips, and it's Great. just of course. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, whenever yeah. I need it. Foreplay, foreplay. Um, so yeah, so we have our short program and our long program. Uh, so Tani is in second place, following the short program, trailing Christy Yamaguchi. But for her long program, Tani decides it's time to kick a little ass. Kick as a little ass. Kate Mosley might say, and by kick a little ass, I mean make some fucking history. Uh, how, you might ask? By becoming the second woman ever and the first American woman in history to land a triple axel in competition. Wow. But wait, guys. Uh, hold on. I'm sure that the very first question on your mind about all of this is, okay, cool, but what music was she playing when Tanya accomplished this historic achievement? And the answer is... The Batman theme by Danny Elfman from the soundtrack of the 1989 Warner Brothers picture, Batman. I don't know whether to send you this video so you can watch the full thing or if you or if I should explain the other songs. So her long program is is uh, is made up of three different kind of musical mo- movements or, or uh you know, kind of, uh, I don't know what you call them, you know, like songs, but, you know, maybe you would say like musical chapters or something, whatever. Uh, so the the first one is uh, the Batman theme. <laughs> the second song in her four-minute routine was Send in the Clowns. <clears throat> Excuse me. Send in the Clowns. My voice broke a little there. Just uh, conjuring. Clowns. Which is a lovely, soft piano composition written by Stephen Sondheim uh-huh. for the 1973 musical A Little Night Music, uh, uh-huh. later made famous by Frank Sinatra and Judy Collins. And the third and final song in this incredibly historic, groundbreaking performance uh, by Tanya Harding is an instrumental version of Wild Thing by Tone Loke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we should we should probably watch this. He was second after the original program, 20 years old from Portland, Oregon. Al Michaels on the call. Seventh yep. in the national Al Michaels with the commentary. She's a very powerful skater. She's tiny. She reminds you somewhat of Liz Manley of Canada, a little bit of Janet Lynn of the United States. Oh Great power. Great speed and right. Great the first time I watched this, I was like, "Wait a minute, what is that music? I know that music." Yes. And the question is, and I was like, "Oh, it's so dramatic and cinematic." The program, and I was like, "Oh yeah," because it's from a movie. And I was like, hey, "What movie is now this? The is this is the movie. movie." The first American to attempt oh, and complete Batman. a triple axel jump. <laughs> we will know that here whether she tries it or not. Keep an eye on this. Watch this. 
have completed a triple axle in competition. Oh, how nice, how terrific. Her fucking reaction. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, did that end up like, not give you chills? Yeah. I almost got a little choked up just watching that. Just like, you could see. That was like the MJ, like, fist pump. Dude, yeah, exactly. That is like the MJ buzzer beater combined with the foul line dunk. Like, in the moment. Like, yeah. she's still playing the game, but yeah. she knows she just, like. That's the wild thing is that she didn't just stop and be like, okay, I did it, I'm done. Like she, that was like early on in the routine. So now we have this like slow moment uh, with the ascending the clowns. And she has the biggest smile on her face. Triple loop jump. Wonderful height. Wonderful stretched legs. number was choreographed by Barbara Flowers, the same lady that choreographed for Rosalind Sumner's. She is definitely on today. Well, I would imagine what she did early on, Peggy, would have taken her confidence level to a point she's never reached before. I'm sure that helps a lot. So, like, at this point, it's basically, like, secretariat, you know? Uh, like, in the, whatever, the Belmont Stakes or whatever. But, and now she's just like, okay, I'm just going to fucking pour it on. <laughs> Dude, did you catch that? Nice. Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Watch the speed she continues to have during this. Like now she's just like coming out for like more dunks for the crowd. Like she's like, oh, you want me to jump from foul line again? Like it's yeah, just sure. Just an all-star game. Yeah. yeah. Like just the like sorry to use the word, but frankly, like the balls to be like, yeah, I'm gonna end my yeah. routine with Tone Loke's wild thing, which I'm now pretty only sure. <laughs> It's a song that had not been used before by the biggest And a final move, a death drop into a back sit spin. And what a moment for this young lady. Oh, that's terrific. And it's like every single thing is completely flawless. And like, the thing about figure skating is like you have to be, oh, look at that reaction. Yeah. Like, she knows. She's like, okay. Chris Yamaguchi's like, fuck. She got me. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, you know, whatever. We're just two guys just watching Tanya Harding videos from 1991 at 11.38 p.m. on a Thursday <laughs> night for our podcast. <laughs> no big deal. But, like, deal. seeing someone, like, at their peak 
athletic performance. Like you're seeing someone react as though they, they, you're seeing someone fully aware this might be the greatest performance of my life. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And to like, to like, like, you see them having that thought. Right. And again, with figure skating, it's like, so the weird thing about figure skating is you can, you can change your routine like midway through depending on how you're feeling so like right you know you can you can plan out oh i'm gonna okay so i'm gonna do this jump this jump this jump and then for this one i'm gonna do like a triple lutz or a triple axle but so if like you're the, the judges have a copy of your program right well they sort of know like you know what they, they know like the move like the kind of like number of moves um because there's like certain, you know, you sort of like have to hit certain benchmarks, I guess. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, you have to do this one. You could either do a single, a double, or a triple, though. So it's like, if you're going out there and you're like planning to do a triple, but you're just like not quite feeling My it, or your head's not or right, something. or your hamstring yeah, yeah. hurts, or your skate is too tight, you can say, you know what, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to do right. a double instead of a triple. Because right. I could try for the triple. Maybe I'll land but it. That I, would be sick. But if, but I, if I, it, I am not yeah. feeling 100% confident, I'm just going to play it safe. Do the double. The double, if I land it flawlessly, will still score really well. I'll have, you know, technically a flawless program. So you can have a perfect program, but that doesn't quite go for all that you can do because, you know, you're not sure if you can do it. So basically in that program in 91, Tanya just, like, pushed herself to see if she could do, like, all of, like, the, like, maxing out every single (laughs) move, basically. Um and to to be able to do that and like just so so flawlessly but also like just like brashly just like showing off like yeah i can i can do all this and i'm going to like do it to tone loke <laughs> um and basically just like you know fucking break dance and slam dunk for you all and just do like this insane stuff um while literally like simultaneously like smiling and pumping my fists and celebrating at my own abilities and talent um just like like just yeah really unlike anything i've ever seen in sports um so as i said uh yeah the triple axle is completed uh making history uh you know toward the top of the program during batman (laughs) the batman theme the rest of the routine after that completely flawless tanya wins gold running away yamaguchi takes silver and nancy kerrigan takes bronze in that particular 1991 competition uh by the way this is not just like history making it's also a major upset because going into that competition in 91 uh nationals everyone was kind of expecting and preparing for it to be christy yamaguchi's time like she was sort of the anointed one it was like she had been rising up the ranks um she was just kind of like doing everything right and scoring everything the right way. Like, just kind of like, you know how it's you just sort of know, like, okay, yeah, like it's, you know, the, the torch is being passed and it's sort of like, she's, it's, it's, she's the one now. Um, but it simply, and like Tanya was like this, you know, kind of up and comer and, and, and clearly like, uh, you know, a, uh, a force to be reckoned with. But as we had mentioned her previous year, 1990, wasn't really that remarkable. Um, so people kind of weren't, expecting like she was sort of like oh yeah like she's she's good but she's sort of like a tier below um and so by doing this at the 91 nationals she she really like like shocked the world and like kind of like catapulted herself and vaulted herself over yamaguchi uh and like if she had skated like 
a really close uh, routine to Yamaguchi's and scored and like, you know, done similar moves. Like there's no question the judges would have just been like, okay, yeah, that was really good, but we'll give you silver. But like, you know, yeah, it's Christie's like, she, it's sort of like she deserves it. Like it's her, right. you know, it's, it, it was, it was Christy Yamaguchi's uh, medal to lose in a way. Uh, right. But Tiny was like, "No, I'm gonna fucking take it, and I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this in such a way that you cannot take it away from me. Like you cannot deny me. Uh, like I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna go so far above and beyond uh, what anyone else has ever done before that like you simply like could not make any rational argument for like, oh yeah, that was really good, but you know, like maybe like this was could have been better or like, but yeah, like yeah, I mean, it was just like, no, I just made fucking history." And yeah. did everything perfectly, and like, sorry, like that means I get gold. <laughs> Tiny landed seven triple jumps in the long program, including the triple axle. One of the judges awarded her a perfect 6.0 technical merit score, which was the event's first 6.0 technical merit score since 1973. <laughs> wow! So dude. those are not handed out uh, very easily. But uh, and again, this is a sport where it's the judges can come up with fucking scores for whatever they whatever rationale they they you know feel like uh at the time in their little heads like they can just decide like oh yeah like because there are like sort of again like technical moves you have to hit but there's also like all this like artistic consideration and like mm-hmm. um you know so the fact that a judge was just like I, it's a 6.0 like what do you want me to do um <laughs> like a vince carter 50 it's like that's there's no you cannot do that any better than yeah. that um so anyway, that win qualifies Tanya for Worlds, uh, which take place in Munich the following month, March of 1991. Great. And she absolutely crushes it here as well. Um, however, she wins silver uh, with Yamaguchi taking gold and Kerrigan taking bronze. National champion Tanya Harding with the last minute best wishes from Coach Doty Teachman and choreographer Barbara Flowers and takes the ice for the first time in a world championship competition. 20-year-old Pride of Portland, Tanya Harding. She competes with a physical burden of being an asthmatic. She requires the use of inhalers throughout each day. one-shot deal. Each can only be attempted once. She opens with the triple Lutz combination. Oh, just beautiful. This was, uh, as a matter of fact, the first time in history that one nation, the USA, baby, USA all the way, had ever swept the ladies' podium at a world championship. Wow. Um, So, um... Yeah. Oh, oh, there's a little clip I found of uh, an interview of uh, with Tanya uh, following the short program at World Championships uh, where she is coughing, coughing up a storm, uh, because as I think I mentioned, she has asthma. So let's go to Tom Hammond. Tanya, your first Worlds. First Worlds, and you skated flawlessly. How did you feel? I felt really great. Um, I went out there. I have a lot of confidence built up, and it just felt great. It was really fun. Not nervous at all? No, I went out there and I had fun. It was really great. <laughs> and you have to be right in contention after that skate. Yeah, 
please. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you. Testimony to Tanya's toughness. She made it look easy on the ice, but obviously having trouble breathing. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty insane that she is uh, is doing this. What happens at, at, at Worlds, you're thinking, oh, so like, why didn't she win gold if she, if she did so well? What happened is in her, uh, so she does her short program, it goes well, and then in her long program, she attempts the triple axel again and nails it even better than she did at nationals. All week, but her warm-up was a tense one. She's opening with a triple X. Beautiful. Where will the triple axel come? Here it comes now, this is it. Yeah, so she crushes the triple axel, but then on her next move, she falters. She doesn't fall, but she does a single instead of a triple toe-loop combo. Um, and so that is the reason that she finishes silver instead of gold. Um, and of the six triple jumps, uh, she landed the hardest four and then popped, uh, which is a uh, skating lingo term that I learned. Uh, popped is uh, when you basically kind of like pull back uh and instead of doing a triple you do a single or a double uh so so she nails the six triples that are the hardest including the triple axle but then she pops the easiest two and honestly it's bullshit she should have won gold uh at at worlds did they not give her the gold because she popped yeah so they gave her a silver because even though she landed the triple axle again um because she like because she she kind back. of scaled back a little bit on on two of the easier jumps uh, of her routine, for whatever reason you know whatever she she didn't feel comfortable or confident enough or maybe in her head she thought she didn't you know need, she she could play it safe because she you know crushed the other ones so well um, but for whatever reason uh, yeah she finishes second um, but still made more history by completing the triple axel at Worlds she became the first American woman to perform a triple axel at an international event uh, because, of course, the, you know, nationals uh, that she did the triple axel at the first time was just a U.S. event. So this is the first time an American woman had performed a triple axel at an international event at the 91 Worlds. Then, let's see, moving on to the 1991 Skate America competition. You guessed it, it's another gold medal for Tanya. This girl is so strong. You need me out at 45. The first woman ever to land a triple axel in United States competition. It guaranteed her a win at last year's U.S. championships. And she has the triple axel scheduled in the short program. And if she lands it, she will be the first woman ever to land a triple axel in the short program. She's picking up speed for it now. Forward takeoff, three and a half revolutions, landing backwards into a double toe loop. She nailed one in warm up. Look at the height here. Big one, beautifully done. History. That is going to be tough to beat for Christy Yamaguchi. And let's see what effect that might have on the remainder of Tanya Harding's program now. She has a tendency to get overexcited, and when the adrenaline starts flowing and you jump as big as she does, that could get you in a lot of trouble. Remember, she landed the triple in the Worlds in Munich and then popped two triples later on. 
That was in the long program. This program was beautifully constructed. After the combination, if the adrenaline started flowing, it gave her some time to back off it a little bit, do a couple easy things. Now she can just work the crowd. Folks, the woman simply cannot stop triple axling. So this time, she did a triple axle in her short program and long program. And in doing so, she set three more records. She became the first woman ever to complete a triple axel in the short program in a major international competition. Uh, she became the first woman ever to successfully execute two triple axels in a single competition. And she also became the first woman ever to complete a triple axel in combination, uh, in this case with a double toe loop. Um, so... Again, she's just like one-upping herself and just like laying it on and just again like being like, yeah, like I made history, but I can actually like do it even more and better. So this is from the Guardian article that I quoted before. Quote, I got perfect sixes and did a triple axle double toe combination, which had never been done by a woman in a short program, she recalls. It could have made me or broke me completely if I hadn't landed it. But I went for it and pulled it off. Um, so that's Tanya for you. Um, she got two perfect sixes for te- technical merit um, at Skate America. And oh, also, quick little side note, she broke a fucking skate during her long program and kept skating. She broke her skate? Again, this is at the 91 Skate America. This is the, her long program, the free skate. Tanya Harding. And we'll be back with her marks right after this message. I got Tanya Harding waiting for her marks. She's just finished a terrific free program. And a 6 0 for technical merit. That does not happen very often. Chinese judge gave her a six, Zhang Sheng Yang. And so also did Krista Elizabeth Crick from Germany. Now these marks are very important here because the judges are wanting to throw up sixes for technical merit. Wow. They're gonna look at her at the Olympic Games. Come on, baby, come on, please. There are the marks for artistic impression. A lot of five nines, a lot of five eights. She's so strong technically, it's hard for them so you can only hear her kind of like mumbling under her breath there but did you hear that she was like she yeah broke i broke the eyelet broke my eyelet there which is like not supposed to happen and the eyelet is is like you know the the hole basically that the lace goes through and i guess just through like the fucking like sheer power of her legs she broke through uh the eyelet of her skate during the program she's and like just zion continued skating and yeah except in zion's case it, you know he stopped and injured himself and in tanya's case she just 
continued with her routine and finished it. Yeah. And so she got two perfect sixes for technical merit. Uh, yep, wins gold medal at 91 Skate America. I just made a little note to myself. So at the 91 Skate America... Uh, she basically does the exact same program that she did at the 1992 Olympics, um, which is, you know, like as we've seen from the cutting edge, something that you that kind of you come up with a routine and you have your music and your moves and everything. And then that's just kind of like the routine that you stick with, you know, because um, right. it takes so much work and practice, obviously, to like master. Um, so, you you know, you might have like the same exact routine, use the same songs and every same choreography for like an entire season. So this is now a new routine and a new, you know, like track list from the, uh, from the 91 nationals, you know, where she used Batman and tone Loke. <laughs> um, so for this new routine that she uses for like late 91 into 92, the first song is the overture from Robin hood, Prince of thieves. Yeah. Okay. She's really our people. Yeah. She, she kind of is. Yeah. Um, that's like, like, like that's again, why I felt so compelled to, to do this is like no one, talks about the music that Tanya Harding skated to like nearly enough like everyone's like oh you know lots of crazy stuff happened like in her life and Nancy Kerrigan and blah 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 and the Olympics but like can we talk about the fact that she skated to fucking Batman and Tone Loke to Batman like, <laughs> how is that not like that to me is is the headline I'm sorry <laughs> yeah you can listen to Switch, Switch. 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 